0: is depth that cornerback a bigger concern than who starts opposite of brian burns i'll answer that right here on locked on panthers you are locked on panthers your daily carolina panthers podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers Podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as we continue on into off-season mode here on the show. But don't worry, starting on July 17th, we'll be back to your team every day. Our motto here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, as the Carolina Panthers officially announced that they'll be starting off training camp down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, once again on the campus of Wofford College on. Wednesday, July 26th, so a full week of shows get you ready for training camp starting on July 17th. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, and be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Fridays like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me if you'd like to participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash NFL, and I'll throw in a free custom bird dogs yeti style tumbler with every single order back again for another edition of the weekly friday mailbag here on locked on panthers a light load but some good questions to uh think about and to talk about here on the show let's go ahead and start off with jonathan who has a question about what is the bigger concern on defense? He says, I feel as if a lot of fans expect slash want the team to trade for an elite slash proven edge rusher opposite of Brian Burns. Yes, like you and everyone else who knows this team knows that's a priority need out outside linebacker. But I honestly feel better about that huge blank on the other side Opposed to the depth at cornerback. Also, not a fan of wanting to jump the gun and spend unnecessary money slash picks when we have a brand new staff of an elite DC who could potentially put Marquise Haynes, he tore gross mottos, slash DJ Johnson, and we'll throw in Amari Barno as well, in positions they can succeed. And if they don't work out, what have we lost? Besides maybe reaching a little in the third round for Johnson, LOL. In conclusion, keep what we got defensively, or if we're going to spend money slash picks, go for a proven starter at corner. So, really, what Jonathan's saying is he feels like the bigger concern is at cornerback, as far as the depth goes there, than it is at edge rusher, as far as who is going to start. Now, you're talking about backups compared to starters. Now, you did bring up if they can bring in a proven starter at corner. The problem is the proven starters at corner are not on the market here on June 16th. Now, there, surprisingly, have been proven starters at outside linebacker on the market for a while now. When you look at Leonard Floyd, of course, signing in Buffalo, he's someone who's played in this scheme. That would have made a lot of sense, but the Panthers uh, did not bring him on, whether they... We're interested or not. He's now with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Frank Clark, maybe not as much of a scheme fit, but he's someone who's now signed in Denver. We're looking out where there's players like Yannick Ngakwe who has familiarity with Frank Reich. He's still available. Just change agents, and he would make sense for the Carolina Panthers. The only problem with Yannick Ngakwe is he has no interest in playing run defense. So do you want to give him the kind of money that he's wanting if he's not going to give you that effort outside of rushing the passer? Uh, Probably not. And that's why he's available here on June 16th. Melvin Ingram's available. Justin Houston's available. Two guys that have played in a 3-4 scheme. And, of course, Jadavion Clowney. He is also available for the Carolina Panthers to go out there and get a proven starter. Now, some of the proven starters, they have weaknesses. Like Ngakwe, his weakness is effort and wanting to be able to stop the run. Clowney, his weakness is actually making plays. (laughs) Let's be honest. And then Ingram... And Houston's weaknesses are, well, they're getting older. So there's only so many options out there available for the Carolina Panthers. Now, the good thing is they do have younger players. Like Gross Mottos, entering into a big-time year from year four. New staff, new scheme. Does he fit? Brian Bird said some pretty glowing things about Gross Mottos, really learning how to kind of recognize what to do when dropping back in coverage, something he was never asked to do in the previous 4-3 scheme here in Carolina. We'll talk more about the differences of those two schemes later on here on the show. Got DJ Johnson, who the Panthers moved up from 93 to 80 to bring in. He's more of a project, but he's going to be 25 this year, so you're going to need to see something out of him Sooner rather than later. And then, of course, Amari Barna, who they drafted a year ago. And Marquise Haynes, still younger guy, but he's been in the league for five seasons now. And heading into year six, you have options there. At corner, you don't have a ton of options when it comes down to at least proven options. We know that C.J. Henderson is going to start, not start, but he'll come in and be able to play at outside corner. Same thing with Keith Taylor. When I look at cornerback, they haven't really addressed the outside corner position this year. They have addressed kind of the nickel position. Looking at this new scheme, you can see Jeremy Chin play that big nickel. You could see Jamie Robinson play that. Eric Rowe could play that as well. They've gone out there and they brought in some options at nickel. But as far as outside corners, they haven't really done that. And Dante Jackson did speak pretty highly of Stan Thomas Oliver, who's also entering into his fourth season, has been known more of a special teams ace and why he's been able to make the roster after being a seventh-round pick out of FIU back in 2020 in that first draft class of Matt Rule. He's been solid for them special teams-wise. But if he can turn himself into a player on the outside, that would be great as well. Like That's the real concern at corner. It's depth on the outside. We know that J.C., when healthy, is fantastic. The problem is he's had some unfortunate injuries and he's going through one right now. Dante Jackson. When he's been healthy, he's been a solid player for the Panthers. The problem is he really has not been healthy the last three seasons, and now he's recovering from the most significant injury he's suffered so far with that torn Achilles, although he says he'll be ready for training camp. If something happens to those guys, we've seen what happens. C.J. Henderson has just not been reliable. Now, the hope is with this elite D.C. and this new coaching staff that he can be a better player, and that the fact that it's a contract year, does he step up? We'll see. Keith Taylor, lesser expectations after being a fifth-round pick, but he does have that size and length that you're looking for. Um, maybe he develops into a guy that you can depend on in the future because you're going to certainly going to need him after C.J. Henderson likely departs after this season. So looking at those four and in T- Stan Thomas-Oliver, you're good with the top two guys if they stay healthy. But the other guys, we haven't seen a lot of STO. We've seen enough out of Keith Taylor and C.J. Henderson to know that right now they're not reliable. I just don't know... Who out there is going to come in and make you feel better about that? At nickel, you got options. So you can feel good about that. But at outside corner, like that's where the real concern lies. Now, at outside linebacker, because there have been guys out there who are available, who have produced more than the guys on the roster, that's why there's been an appetite for people to. To bring in another outside linebacker, and Scott Fitterer has mentioned it many times here. The Panthers general manager, Scott Fitterer, has mentioned it many times that, yeah, you can always look for an edge. And they did bring one in via the draft. But again, I don't think the expectations are very high for DJ Johnson to come in here and be a difference maker for the Carolina Panthers his rookie year, especially when he's still transitioning and learning the position of being an edge rusher and now having to do it at the highest level of the game. Now, when I look at a guy on the roster, Marquise Haynes really made a lot of noise this past week during mandatory minicamp. And it would be great if he can make that jump. And I've been talking about, there's rarely been times where a guy has gone from not really producing at all to all of a sudden just exploding and becoming one of those top-tier pass rushers. Really just becoming a really solid edge rusher. The one guy I can think about who recently did that was Shaq Barrett. Going Back and looking at his first four years as a Denver Bronco, this is what Shaq Barrett did. Rookie year, five and a half sacks. The next year, one and a half sacks. The next year, four sacks. The next year, three sacks. Look at Marquise Haynes. First five years. Rookie year, goose egg. Next year, one sack. Four sacks, three sacks, five sacks last year as a career high. So first five years Marquise Haynes, he had 13 total sacks and 15 tackles for loss. First four years for Shaq Barrett, he had 14 sacks. So, in a way, similar. If you want to throw out the rookie year, Marquise Haynes, you, you really can't in this situation. But looking at those first couple years for Barrett and, and Haynes, they're kind of similar. Now, here's the problem, though. Once Barrett moved to a different team, and you can also, I would say, probably a different coaching staff, different team, he went from three sacks to, To 19 and a half sacks, he burst onto the scene and surpassed his total, his career total at that point in one season, getting 19 and a half sacks. So he came back to more of what you probably would expect from Shaq Barrett moving forward, where he had eight sacks the next year, 10 sacks the following year, and then last year, dealing some injuries, had three sacks, but 40 and a half sacks as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Can Marquise Haynes go from five sacks to eight? Or to nine. Like I said the other day, if he can get eight and a half, you take that and you're happy with it if he's going to be the starter at outside linebacker. And that's really what you're asking out of Floyd, out of Ngakwe, out of any of the guys that you would assign, you're hoping that they can get eight and a half sacks. If Marquise Haynes can go from five to eight or hell to ten, I think you've got to be very excited about that in the development of a player like Marquise Haynes. But the problem is, like I mentioned Barrett, his first four seasons, you saw what he did. He was pretty much, you know, what Shaq, what Marquise Haynes had been his first five. But in year five, he had he exploded. Year five, Marquis Haynes' explosion was five sacks. Different scheme. Is that who he is? I don't know. But there's a lot so far that shows you that maybe Marquis Haynes is really just a guy you can depend on and get you about four or five sacks a season. And then you got to find an actual guy proven who can supplement that or draft somebody who can you can develop into that, which is what they maybe are doing with DJ Johnson and Amari Barno. So I'd still think outside linebacker is a bigger concern, but I can see where you're concerned about cornerback in particular at outside cornerback, where you you do have guys who have played in backup roles and have gotten a lot more snaps than the guys who right now. Are competing at outside linebacker like that's my concern really it's like those guys are pretty green outside of haynes have not played that much football whereas the guys who are back up at outside corner they've had to play a lot of football because of the injuries that we've seen from guys like stefan gilmore jc horn and dante jackson over the last couple seasons here in carolina so i hear what you're saying jonathan um and i don't necessarily disagree but uh, it is something to monitor as Carolina Panthers are going to take a little time here to kind of catch their breath and maybe will look at some of the guys available and see if they want to bring someone in heading into training camp. By the way, again, down at Wofford College. So hope to see you down there. What else does the roster look like, especially the corners? Who will be here in a couple of seasons? We'll look into the crystal ball here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. And right now, y'all, just let me be honest with you. There's just no doubt that bird dogs, they make you look absolutely outstanding. I love these things, been wearing through the gym, been wearing them all the time. They are fantastic and you need to get yourself a pair. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts are the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. Trust me, I would know. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fixed this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so they get you a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you dry and cool all day long y'all you gotta get yourself a pair wear them to the gym where i'm traveling i got the joggers i got the shorts i got every single one of these things and i love them so much and go to birdogs.com right now and go s- Birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and get yourself one of these, a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You don't want to take your bird dogs off. I promise you that. That's exactly how you're going to feel when you get them on. You're going to want to wear these all the time. Birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. All right, let's get back into it. The weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Over to Alex who asks, looking into your crystal ball, two years in the future. So we're looking at 2025, are any of the cornerbacks that are currently on the roster still on the roster? So is Dante Jackson on the roster? Is C.J. Henderson on the roster? J.C. Horn, Keith Taylor, Stan Thomas, Oliver, are any of those guys on the roster in two years' time? Well, looking at their contracts, I think Dante Jackson would have his contract expire at some point there. And then we're looking at the Panthers can get out of it after next season. And if he's injured again, they would certainly would do that. J.C. Horn is heading into year three. And then he'll have year four next season. And the Panthers have to decide next May whether they want to exercise that fifth-year option or not. He's going to have to be healthy because if he's not, like with Dante, they'll have to make a decision where, okay, we're not going to secure your future with the team. And then Keith Taylor, next year will uh, will also be his fourth year. So, possibly his last year in Carolina. And in this year, it feels like his last year for CJ Henderson and could be the same for Stan Thomas Oliver. So you could see all five of those guys um, how they could potentially not be here in Carolina come the 2025 season. Now, for me, I believe J.C. Horn will still be here. I do. The rest, I have a hard time seeing that. Even if Dante plays well, I just feel like the injury history and concerns are just going to – they're going to hold him back. It's not like he necessarily fits the mold of a lot of the corners that they've brought in. That's why I was kind of surprised that they, in a way, did re-sign him. After, you know, struggling with injuries in 2020 and 2021, now Fitter was only here in 21 as the general manager. But I was kind of surprised in the way that they brought him back. Even you know, I thought it made sense. Um, and we had have a conversation here early on the show that it was either going to be Dante or Robbie. Turned out both of those guys were able to get paid in Carolina. and One of them is no longer here. I like Dante Jackson. It was really good to see how happy he was, how excited he is about the, the new coaching staff and the upcoming season. I want the guy to be healthy. I've just i seen so much recently where it's just like, man, how does he bounce back from that Achilles? And is he able to be the same player and have that kind of speed? Or does it take until 2024 for him to get back to being that? Which that could be the reality of the situation, just knowing how Achilles injuries have gone in the past for athletes of all kinds of sports. And just thinking, especially at a position like that, where you have to have that speed and you have to be physical and having to deal with those wide receivers, man, it's going to be difficult for him. And I hope he's able to bounce back and be fine. I just don't know. If he does not have one of those great seasons, it it, it would make sense for the Carolina Panthers just to move on after the season because I I could see this being the last year for Dante Jackson. Um, J.C. Horn, I think J.C., I think he'll stick around. He's a good player. We know that. We know he's a fantastic player when he's healthy. Just got to stay healthy. If he's healthy this year, they exercise that fifth-year option, and he's here through 2025. Uh, C.J. Henderson, I've seen enough to where I just don't see it happening for him. Um, Maybe there's – I just – no, I just don't see it. Uh, Stan Thomas Oliver, it's possible that he sticks around. Really, I would probably give him the second-best odds to stay because of how good of a special teams player he is. And if he is developing into a solid option at outside cornerback, even though he, again, like kind of Dante, doesn't necessarily fit the mold of the guys at Fitterer, um, that Seattle archetype that they like, I could see him staying here to continue being a special teams guy because you really need those. And if this is where his opportunity is and he's happy in Carolina and Chris Tabor wants him, then you keep him around. So, really, J.C. and Stan Thomas Oliver over the guys I see that could stay around. Now, Keith Taylor, uh, it's a, he was a late-round pick. I don't really feel like you should be all that hard on him. Based on the last couple uh, of years, in the situations he's had been put in late in the seasons, like he was bad against Pittsburgh, wasn't a great against Tampa either, and then he got benched going into the New Orleans game, which still is just mind boggling that Wilkes would do that, knowing that Josh Norman was never going to play a football game again after that. But I guess that's why he did it. It's a nice send off for Jay. No. So I guess good for him, but also it's like, man, dude, development wise, gotta get keep Taylor back out there. Yeah. He struggled, but you keep playing the guy. Cause he's going to be on the roster at least for the next two seasons. Probably. So we'll see. I mean, there's, I feel like you can be a lot harsher on Henderson, especially when the Panthers traded for him and he was a top 10 pick. And he has not shown that yet. Or Taylor's a guy who was drafted in the fifth round, and you would think that okay, yeah, first couple of years you're probably gonna maybe struggle a little bit if you're a backup, and then maybe this year he has to come in, and you would expect him to play a lot better and possibly show you. I, there was the guys I was I was gonna say would be back, like just ranking the five. JC would be first, then Stan Thomas Oliver, just because hey, special teams. Then I, I would put Dante there next. Then I would probably put Keith Taylor. Then C.J. Henderson. That's just the five when I'm looking at it that I think in that order, like how they would return. But I I feel good about J.C. Horn being here, and I would bet on Stan Thomas Oliver also being here if I had to bet on two. Those would be the top two I'd bet on still being here on the roster in two years' time. All right, over to George, who has a question about running backs. As the Carolina Panthers, uh, they seem to be set, but they have not gone out there and added a bruising type of running back. He asked, would there be any interest in signing James Robinson, who the Patriots just dropped to compliment Sanders as a more bruiser goal line back? His contract was only two years for $4 million, I think, and it seems like Panthers' cap space could afford a luxury contract to surround Bryce Young with the best backfield. I honestly feel like they're good, man. And listening to Frank Reich, and Frank Reich let it slip the other day, because he didn't really want to name names. Um, he didn't want to say who was looking good, who might have surprised him. He did bring up the fact that Jonathan Mingo looking good, which could be not great for Darius Marshall, but it's also good for the organization, of course. Um, and then he also mentioned Raheem Blackshear, who someone we we're looking at as more of a return guy. Can he add that speed as a running back for the Carolina Panthers? Start is correct. Kansas, went to Virginia Tech, was really good there with the the Hokies during that pandemic season. Um, Or maybe was it 21, whatever it was. But either way, is he someone that can really step up for the Panthers? Now, he's not going to be a bruiser, but he does add something out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And when you already have Chuba going into year three, and you've seen what Chuba can do, fine player, especially as a backup running back. And Miles Sanders is likely your workhorse. And most of the times now you have those two guys, like we saw last year when it was – Foreman and Hubbard but it really feels like that right now that lead back is Sanders and wouldn't be surprising to see the guy get like you know 20 carries and then we'll see whatever one else gets but I don't know if they're looking for that and Miles Sanders pretty thick dude man so maybe they don't need that goal line guy and maybe they're in the offensive lines good too so maybe they're not all that concerned about trying to find one of those goal line bruising backs that they are good with Sanders they're good with Blackshear they're good with Hubbard. Uh, and just James Robinson, I just don't know what he's really going to provide that the Panthers don't really have. And I just don't look him as like kind of like that goal line bruiser guy. Like he got traded, the Jets traded for him after Jacksonville kind of was done with him. And then the fact that he's not even stuck around in New England, I don't know what the deal with is there with with that. I feel like the Panthers are probably good with what they have right now. So yeah, I don't I don't think that there's much interest, and they certainly have not talked about adding a running back at all. Um during the offseason after they brought in Miles Sanders and um, stuck with some of the guys that were holdovers from the previous regime. All right, take a quick pause. I'll come back here and answer another question here on the weekly Friday Mailbag. We'll be right back here on Locked On Panthers. So the Carolina Panthers are going through a scheme change defensively, and that has led to a lot of questions about how it's going to look here with the Gero the new DC, and how some players are going to fit in and having to bring in some new players. So let's talk about that. As Van from Texas had a question about the 4-3, but really how, the 3-4 and how the 3-4 looks compared to the 4-3. said, I'm familiar in the prototypical roles of the 4-3 front seven, like traits you want to in, want in each position. I have no clue on 3-4 prototypical position traits and roles. Could you explain what traits are needed for each position? And the change in responsibilities from our old four three. Which Panther in the new front seven do you see as being the most natural fit for the transition? Okay, yeah, good question. Cause that is something that plenty of people have uh, asked about and have wondered as we're looking at it, because I bring up three four, bring up four three. Qu- mo- quite simply. It's pretty simple in terms of this. Like four three, you got four down linemen on the line of scrimmage, or three four, you got three. And then you got three linebackers in a 4-3. you got four linebackers in a 3-4. Now, as far as the defensive linemen go, you want to have bigger bodies. You always want to have big bodies. We want to have bigger bodies when you're at a 3-4 because you're going to have only three down linemen, whereas you have four it's where you can kind of supplement it with the gap schemes and be able to have four guys down there instead of only having three. So, typically, you really want that nose tackle, that interior guy to be a, a big-time run stuffer, someone who can can stop the run, who can also potentially attack from the interior. Derek Brown can fit into that role. He can also fit into the role playing a little bit of defensive end because you're going to have a defensive end, a nose tackle, or a nose guard, however you want to call, call it, and then you're going to have another defensive end on the other side. Those defensive ends, one of them can be used as a guy who can rush, but for the most part, You're not really going to ask him to do that all that much. When you're looking at it, you're going to have a guy like Henry Anderson who can play defensive end and be seen as someone who's going to be more of a run stopper on the outside. and can set the edge. You're going to look at a guy like Shai Tuttle who could play the interior, but he also could potentially play another defensive end spot. I would say if Brown's on the defensive end, then you're going to have Tuttle there as your nose tackle, kind of holding the rush and being able to kind of – you know, disrupt from the interior, and that's, it allows you flexibility, that's really the thing about the 3-4, instead of the 4-3, because 4-3, when you got your four down linemen, you're kind of setting what those roles are going to be, but you can maneuver guys way more, especially in that odd man front, with the 3-4, than you would with a 4-3, like, Derrick Brown can play multiple roles, now, guys like Marco McCall, and um, Bravion Roy, like, their role is going to be upset as they're just going to be one of those like nose tackles and you can move guys around more so than you can with a four or three, which is the good thing about this, especially if it's early downs, you might want to have Derek Brown in there in the interior, or if it's like a pass rushing down, Hey, they've talked about it. Todd Wash says, Hey, let's kind of move him outside a little bit and figure out if we can get him to be more of an edge rusher um, in terms of how this is going to be set up. So that's a good thing. Now, as far as the linebacker roles, it, the, instead of having that fourth down lineman on the edge, you're going to have have a stand-up outside linebacker. So that's Brian Burns. Instead of Brian Burns kind of having his hand in the dirt, he's going to be someone who's going to be standing up, which can be great as far as going out there and rushing from that position, or he could drop back in coverage. Like There's more coverage responsibilities for guys – in a 3-4 at linebacker then there would be for them – I mean, at 4-3. Like, 4-3, yes, there's still coverage responsibilities, but oftentimes you would probably only want to have two linebackers on the field anyways in modern football with the amount of passing there is. So when you're looking at it in those nickel packages where you have five corners, like, you're going to bring in someone like Jeremy Chin to replace that other linebacker. Same case um, where you might have Jimmy Robinson. Like, that's the kind of things that they've done the last couple of seasons where – you would see Shaq will be the lone linebacker on the field at times, or that they would have just Shaq and um, Frankie Louvu. Like, they don't want to have too many linebackers out there. Now, when you look at the linebackers now with with the 3-4, you're going to have to ask one of these guys, especially to be able to get back in coverage and to be able to do that. And Burns, we know he can do it. And the interior guys, like they're going to pretty much have the same roles of where they're going to kind of set up the alignment. They're going to go in there and just stop the run, like Shaq. They're still kind of going out there headhunting in the middle. And then they also got to have their coverage responsibilities. And then the, the fourth guy, you could get rid of and then throw Chin in there or Robinson or someone else to play nickel. Or you could use him as another edge rusher what's we kind of what we talked about, where you have the flexibility to where you can try and use Derek Brown as an edge rusher. In certain situations, you want to kick him out to more defensive end position in that odd man front. And then you can have Burns as well out there as an edge rusher, or you could then have someone on the other side in certain situations. It just provides you more flexibility defensively, where the roles can change. Like, you, for the most part, know what you want those guys to be able to do, but roles-wise, they can change the, – play after play and depending on the situation. So that's really what it allows teams to do is just have more flexibility and be able to find more ways to utilize some of these guys on a defensive front. So that's kind of just how it looks like compared to a 4-3 where it's a little bit more static in terms of like what you're able to do. And it might be more beneficial where, hey, 4-3, you got four down linemen getting pressure with four is really what you want to be able to do. Where now with the the three, four, you can be more creative in your blitzing schemes and where that blitz is going to come from because you're kind of wondering, okay, like what's this guy – at defensive end, down lineman going to be able to do. The outside linebacker, is he going to rush? Is that other guy going to rush? Or is he going to drop back in coverage? You're having more questions and putting the offense more in conflict of what exactly is going to happen in this defense than you would with a 4-3. So I think that's why a lot of people are excited about what it's going to do. And you know it's possibly been one of the more popular defenses over the last couple of years where it still has a lot of 4-3 principles. But overall, just allows defenses to do a little bit more and be able to utilize their players in different ways. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Time Panthers Podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council. Subscribe or follow for free, y'all, on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And, again, make sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where on Friday of next week I'll be back again to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council. Get those questions in. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding. And I'll talk to you on Monday, where we'll begin our position breakdowns through the end of the month, through the middle of July, until we get back here on the 17th. Going to be breaking down every single position and telling you about some of the top storylines going into it. Look at those players and my expectations for them heading into 2023. So starting off with quarterbacks on Monday, Bryce Young, Andy Dalton, Matt Corral. We're going to talk about all those guys coming up here on Locked on Panthers on Monday. So talk to you then.